You're listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. You know, today uh, I'm going to talk about the subject of walking by faith, walking by faith. This is something that God put on my heart early in the week. Um, as I've just been preparing for a future series, God has um, not given me the green light to dive into that series just yet. And so I've just been uh, walking by faith that God is going to give me a message for the current weekend until we get to the series. So, um, you know, uh, whenever Gavin was obviously a lot younger, when he was a baby and he was learning how to walk, he was one of those babies that was, uh, he was a late walker. And so uh, he had nothing wrong with him. He had all the strength. Uh, he's, he just has a strong will. And so he was like, I'm going to walk when I feel like walking. Okay. So he would stand up, he would stand and he would hold himself up. And obviously he would stand and maybe take a little shuffle, but then he would just get down on his hands and knees and he would crawl wherever he wanted to go. Uh, we knew he could walk. I knew he had the strength to do it, even the balance to do it, but he refused to walk for a long time. And so he, I forget how old he was, but he was he was a lot older than, uh, than most kids were, but he had nothing wrong with him. He just refused to. But as he was learning to walk, there were so many times that he would fall down, right? Any parents in the room, right? Your, your house is just covered in foam and you're covering all the sharp corners and uh, you never thought about the edge of your fireplace until you had a kid walking around, right? Like you just think of all these things. Now that could be an awful situation if they were to fall right here. Every time Gavin would fall, my response to him was not that I would look to him or get down on his level and say, well, what are you doing? What are you doing, you, you stupid idiot? Like, why didn't you do better? Why don't you walk and you should know better by now, right? Like, of course, that was not my reaction, right? That would, that would be awful. That, that is incredibly awful. But I think many times, uh, for some reason, we think that's what God does with us when we're learning to walk by faith. That when we stumble and when we fall down and when we fall short, that he's saying, why didn't you do better? I'm so disappointed in you. No, no. My response to Gavin as he was learning to walk was, man, you did good. Let me help you get back up. Let me get you back on your feet. Now let's try again. Let's take a few more steps this time. Okay, now we know we shouldn't go over there because you're going to lose your bounce. Now let's come this way now. Like I lean in and help Gavin walk and it's the same way God does with us. But the thing is, we've got to learn to walk by faith and to get back on our feet even when we stumble. We've got to learn to get back on our feet. So I'm going to look at a popular story in God's Word. Uh, it's one of my favorite stories, honestly, in God's Word. I'm going to talk about how it applies to us. Um, but we're going to pick up in Matthew 14, starting in verse 23. This is right after Jesus has just fed 5,000 people. So one of the greatest miracles ever. And here's where we pick up in verse 23. Jesus is sending the crowds home. He's sending away his disciples. And here's what happens. Uh, it says, after sending them home, this is the new living, by the way. He says, uh, he went up to the hills by himself to pray. Night fell when he was there alone. And meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from the land. So they were out in a boat. For a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified in their fear and they cried out, it's a ghost. Let me stop here for a second. Have you ever thought about, oh, it's three o'clock in the morning. So how close was Jesus to the boat? Right? In my mind, I always think he's a hundred yards off. He's really far away. But even if there was lightning, Jesus had to be pretty reasonably close for them to see him and for them to know that this was a human walking on the water. Uh, just, just, uh, there's really no point there. It's just an interesting fact. Anyway, let's go to verse 27. It says this, but Jesus spoke to them at once. He said, don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. Then Peter called to him. He said, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. And Jesus said, yes, 
Come on, let's do it, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and he walked on the water towards Jesus. What an incredible moment. Can you imagine? Imagine not just being Peter, imagine being a disciple, seeing this take place, right? Jesus is one thing. Yeah, he said it was, he said it, Jesus saying, it's me, you know who I am. Yeah, but you still probably have a little bit of a doubt, like how is he doing that? But then when you see Peter, who is a human, just get out of the boat and start walking. Imagine this moment, what it really would uh, do to you and to your faith to see Peter do this. Some guy that you know, that you joke around with, that you've spent a lot of time with. Imagine this, what this would do to your faith. In verse 30, it says this. Um, but when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and he began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and he grabbed him. He said, you have so little faith. Why did you doubt me? Man, that's a huge question. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshiped him saying, you really are the son of God, they exclaimed. Wouldn't it, just an interesting turn of events here, right? Like, our, obviously, uh, Jesus is the best ever. Like, what a cool story for him to include and just to do and to have in, uh, in our Bible. But how does this really apply to us? I think this is interesting that when Peter walks on the water, we often criticize Peter for sinking, right? Like, Peter, you're doing great. You're walking on the water, like, and then he begins to sink. And it's so easy to be like, oh, well, if that was me, I wouldn't have sunk, right? I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have sunk. I would have been like, what? I'm walking. My faith would have been boosted. Everything would have been perfect. But can I tell you, that's probably not the case. Many times when we read God's word, we like to identify with the heroes of the faith. But this is why it's important that when you read God's word in your quiet time, that you ask the Holy Spirit, number one, where's Jesus in the story, whether it's New Testament or Old Testament, where's Jesus in here? And Holy Spirit, where am I? Because oftentimes we're going to find that we might not be David in the David and Goliath story. We might be the, uh, the angry older brother. We might be the one that's cowering in fear. Maybe you are, David, in certain situations, but the Holy Spirit will reveal to you, Lord, who am I in this story? Where am I? Where can I get better? Where is my character compared to what's happening with these other uh, believers in God's word? But I would say this. Peter's the only one that had the faith guts to get out of the boat. One, one out of the 12, right? And I would probably venture to say that the, the 11 stayed in the boat. I would venture to say that that uh, percentage or that ratio is probably still the same today. It's probably still the same. That one out of 12 truly have the guts to step out in faith and live the life that God has called them to. Not that they do it perfectly, but that they actually have the faith to say, Lord, I see you, I trust you, and I'm going to take a step of faith. It may seem foolish, as foolish as walking on water, but I'm going to do it. Right, Even if it's as simple as the little things, that they live their life by faith, uh, praying for a co-worker. Uh, many people say, they, you know, well, if I was Peter, I would have walked on the water, it would have been fine. But they, they won't pray for their co-worker, right? They won't trust God with their finances. They won't uh, see someone in need and, and step out in faith. They won't do some of the basic things of faith, but they think that they would walk with Peter on the water. And so here's what I want to talk about. There's three steps, three steps that I want to talk about to walking by faith. And the first one is this. This is the biggest and the most important is you got to get out of the boat. Peter had to get out of the boat. If he's going to walk by faith, if he's actually going to walk on the water, step one is he has to get out of the boat. And this is crucial for you and for me. Uh, Here's what I would say. You cannot stay in the boat and please God. You cannot stay in the boat and please God. Here's where we see that. Hebrews 11, verse six. This is the New King James. It says, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. 
You can't stay in the boat and please God. Walking by faith is risky and it pushes you a little bit and it gets you outside your comfort zone a little bit, but God wants you to take faith-filled risks. Now hear me, not uh, foolish risks. There's, there's a fine line here between um, walking by faith and destroying your family and being incredibly foolish by, uh, in the name of faith versus God has prompted me and the people in my life that are closest to me that know me, that are Christians, have, have confirmed the prompting to go and to take a step of faith. I've seen too many people destroy their families, too many pastors destroy their families in the name of walking by faith, but God hasn't called you to destroy your family or to abandon your family. God has called us to serve our families, to serve our kids, and not to, uh, not to ruin our lives in the name of faith. When we walk by faith, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but when we walk by faith, it brings glory to God. If I walk by faith and it destroys my family and it destroys my life, how does that bring glory to God? Hear what I'm saying? So we've got to learn. I've got to get out of the boat. I've got to take a step of faith from time to time, but it's a faith-filled risk is what I'm doing. It's a faith-filled risk. And here's why. God gets the glory when you walk on water, but you get the glory when you stay in the boat. So think about the situation. Here's Peter and here's some of the other disciples. They're, they're fishermen, a lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them are fishermen. They know, how to, they know how to work a boat. They know how to handle a storm. They know how to handle wind and waves. They know what to do. What they could have done is they could have fought and, and, and strived and survived the night in the boat. Probably wasn't the first time that they faced a storm. They could have survived. And at the end of it, they could have made it to the other side and said, man, high fives all the way around. Look what we did. But that's not what God has for you. God is in the business of him getting glory through our lives. That we, our lives would promote him and to raise him up. I think many times that's what we do with our lives. We fight and we strive and we work so hard. But God is looking at us and he's saying, I can help you do amazing things if you had the faith to ask. If you had the faith to ask me for it. But many times we say, well, I'm going to take on this career and I'm going to do this and I'm going to take on this extra thing on my plate and I have all of this weight that I'm carrying around, but God hasn't called me to carry any of that. But at the end of the day, I'm saying, look how good I am. And I think men struggle with this the most. We gotta pr- I want to prove myself. I have some pride in there. I want to say, look how big of a boy I am. Look how big of a man I am that I can do all of this. And God's saying, have I, yeah, that's great, but have I prompted you to do any of those things? Have I prompted you to... Take that on? Have I prompted you to take that new position at work? Have I prompted you to take a step away from that? Have you even listened to my voice? Is what I'm saying. Hebrews 11.1 1 says this. This is the, the, the living Bible, so it's a little bit different, but I love the translation here of it. It says this, what is faith? It's the confident assurance that something we want is going to happen. It is the certainty that what we hope for is waiting for us, even though we cannot see it up ahead. I love that. It's, it's, it's a little bit different than maybe you've heard it before, but I love the, the living Bible here. Confident assurance and the certainty that what we hope for, it lies ahead. Even if I don't see it just yet. Think about it. It would take Peter no faith, zero faith to step out onto dry ground and he wouldn't have been alone. Why? He knows what's going to happen. He walks on dry ground every day. He knows if I step out on dry ground, it's going to be totally fine. But in this situation, we have to realize, and I can't remember who said this first, but many people have repeated it, but you can have control or you can have faith, but you can't have both. You've got to let go of control to walk by faith. And that's what makes it faith, is that I'm going to take a step 
not a leap, not skip five steps ahead. I'm going to take one step out. And in this step, I'm going to do it by faith, knowing that it feels uncertain. It might not make sense in my natural mind, but God is prompting me. Did Peter just see Jesus and jump out of the boat? No. What did Peter do? He sought the will of Jesus. And I think many times we miss that in the story. He said, if it's you, call me. And then he said, come on. And then Peter went. Many times in our lives, we don't consult Jesus. We see something that maybe God's prompting us to do, but we don't do it in his timing. We just jump out of the boat and we wonder why we're drowning in our life. When I see God is prompting me to do so, or I see the potential of taking a step of faith here. First thing I'm going to do is I'm going to seek Jesus. I'm going to seek his will for my life. Lord, if this is right, if this is the right step, if this is the right door, if this is the right career, if this is the right job, if this is the right time, show me, prompt me, give me a word. We talked about that in our our series when we talked about God's word. Lord, give me a word from your, your word. Confirm it through something so then I know I can take this step. And when Jesus says, come, then Peter gets out. And when Jesus gives us that word, confirming it through somebody that we trust, know, or through his word personally in our quiet time, then we can step. And when we step, we know, I have faith that there will be something under my foot that will hold me up, even if I don't see it and it doesn't make sense. There will be something because it's God-ordained, God-prompted. Most of the time, what God is prompting us to do that was outside of our comfort zone because it forces us to rely on him. You have to rely on him. And that's the whole point. He wants to be close with you. That's why he called his Holy Spirit who is with you today, the comforter. He's the helper. He's the comforter. He is there with you to help you in these uncomfortable situations. Point number two is this, or step number two is this. We've got to eliminate distractions. So the first one, I've I've got to get out of the boat. I've got to make the decision, get out of the boat. I've got to remember how to get out of the boat. Don't just jump out of it, but I confirm it through Jesus that he's prompting me to do it. Then he calls me. Number two is I eliminate distractions. Eliminate distractions. This is a big one. Busyness is the greatest enemy to spiritual growth for the modern day Christian. Busyness is the greatest enemy for spiritual growth for the modern day Christian. Many times we're busy doing good things but we're not always busy doing the godly things. Again, we're doing good things, but we might not be doing the God-prompted things. This can easily happen in, in, uh, in ministry. We were just talking about this the other night at, at dinner. We were talking about how it's so easy being in ministry full-time to get so consumed with ministry that you neglect your family. And then your kids grow up and we wonder why so many times pastor kids hate the church or they run away from church or they're not involved in church. It's because many times we did a lot of good things for the kingdom, but we neglected our greatest calling that God had called us to, which is to be a disciple ourselves and then to disciple our kids and our families. This is what we can ha- This can happen in any line of work though. It's not just ministry. Many times we get busy doing things, but we've got to ask ourselves, am I doing the things that God's asked me to do? Or am I just doing the things that I think would be great and make sense to me? Busyness is the greatest enemy of spiritual growth. We have to learn to eliminate distractions though so that we can do the godly things. Many times we get, we're looking at the wrong thing. So this is what we see in Matthew 14, 30, back to our story. But when uh, Peter saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and he began to sink. And he said, what? Save me, Lord. He shouted, he called out. Peter walked on water, but he feared the wind and the waves. He walked on water, but he feared the wind and the waves. Can I tell you, this is what, how the enemy will come at you. 
Many times right after God uses you in a great way, right after you take a step of faith and you gain a little bit of confidence, immediately the enemy will come and try to steal that moment from you. He will immediately come with fear and with doubt. And this is what happens to Peter. You would think after one step and after another step that you would gain confidence in walking. But what did the enemy do? Immediately come with distraction and with doubt. And that's what caused Peter to sink. This is the same thing that happens in our life. I'm going to take a step for God. But many times we have to remember every step of faith is followed by another step of faith. I mean, you may take one step, but the enemy will come in and try to steal the next step because of doubt and because of fear. And now I'm sinking. And now I don't know if did God call me to take this step? I don't know. But we got to take a, just take a moment and, and, and take a step back and ask yourself, what's the last thing God told me to do? When you walk in faith and when you take a step of faith and you start second guessing yourself and you're wondering, is this even right, Lord? Are you even, are you even in this anymore? Take a step back, get quiet and say, what was the last thing God told me to do that I know without a shadow of a doubt? Do that. Do that. God's not going to let you go to second grade until you pass first grade. Because you can't handle second grade yet. So sometimes i got to make sure, did I do everything I needed to in this step before I go to the next step? I'm getting a little bit off of what I'm talking about here. But hear me, don't let the enemy steal from you either. He's going to come with just a little bit of fear, a little bit of doubt. And this is precisely why God's word says to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. This isn't just a Peter thing in the natural. This is an us thing in today, in the present. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2, this is the Amplified. It says this, let us run with endurance and active persistence, the race that is set before us. That's our life. Looking, here's the, why I love the Amplified. Looking away from all that will distract us and focusing our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter of our faith. Looking away from all that will distract us. I have to make a purposeful choice. I am no longer going to be consumed with this, look at this, do this. I'm not going to do it so that I can focus more on what God's called me to do. I've got to make that decision. God's not going to come in and just eliminate all the distractions in my life. I have to make some decisions and say, I won't do that so that I can do this, so that I can get better at what God's called me to do. Keeping our focus on Jesus and his word is the only way our faith is built and it's strengthened. And hear me in this. It wasn't the violent waves or the blowing wind that endangered Peter's life. The wind and the waves didn't endanger his life. It was the littleness of his faith. It's a different perspective. Many times we think what endangered his life is that he was going to drown. No. What endangered his life is the littleness of his faith. And that's why Jesus asked, why did you doubt me? Why did you have such little faith when you were looking to me? Why did you get consumed with the things around you? It wasn't the wind and the waves. It was the littleness of his faith, which is doubt. When I let doubt creep in, doubt is defined as this, to be divided into two. I become double-minded. And when I'm double-minded, I don't know where to go. I don't know what to believe. I'm not single-focused, so I can't walk with confidence. Now I'm second-guessing everything. That is doubt. So, To eliminate distractions, to walk by faith. True faith is single-mindedly focused on Jesus. I'm going to eliminate anything that doesn't align with this. Does that mean I'm living in denial? No, it just means I'm fixing my focus on what's most important. Peter wasn't denying wind and waves were present. Wasn't denying a storm was present by looking to Jesus and walking. But what happened is when he got in trouble, when he started looking at the wind and the waves and thinking that the wind and the waves were more powerful than his Savior. But that's what we do. This situation is more powerful than my Savior. It's bigger. It's impossible. There's no way Jesus can move in it. False. (laughs) 
When you align with God's word and you believe it and you pray it and you speak it over your life and by faith you walk it out in obedience to it, God can move in your life. And though it may seem impossible, though it may feel like I'm going to sink at any moment, I'm going to drown, I'm going to lose everything, guess what? Jesus is there and he's looking at you and he's saying, just keep walking. Just keep walking. And you may stumble and you may fall. And just like a good father, he says, let me help you back up. Let me put you back on your feet. Keep moving, son. Keep moving, daughter. Keep walking. Do not let the busyness of this life distract you from the greatest calling of your life, which is to be a son and a daughter of the Most High. Too many times we think my calling is to be a pastor. My calling is to be a mom. My calling is to be a leader, a business leader, whatever. God can prompt you to do those things. But your greatest calling is to be a son and to be a daughter. Bottom line. And if you will do that well, then your secondary calling will be blessed as well. But we've got to get our focus back onto my job's not my calling. I'm a child of God. That's the most important calling in my life. Step three is this. Put your faith in God's faithfulness. Put your faith in God's faithfulness. This is the most, uh, I say that all three steps are pretty important. (laughs) But I would say this is probably the most important step. If you hear anything today, hear this last one here. We can fall into this trap of I'm praying for something and I'm seeking God and I'm going after the things of God. And I begin to put my faith in the answered prayer rather than the character of God. So let me, let me say it a few, a few different ways here. Even when Peter failed, Jesus was still there to save him. His faithfulness is true. Many times we put our faith in the answer to our prayer rather than the faithfulness of God. Me and Leslie, I wasn't going to get into this, but me and Leslie, we, we've been believing God for, for more kids for a long time. And several years ago, I listened to a pastor that I trust and I'm actually a close friend with, and he taught about when you pray, where is your faith? Is it in the answer or is it in God? And it began to open my eyes to this principle of, Lord, I've been praying and believing. For us, the biggest thing in our lives is more children. And I've been putting my faith in the answer rather than in the God who gives the answer. And not that it's necessarily an awful thing, but it, re- it opens our eyes to say, where is my faith? Am I pursuing God so passionately because of the answer I hope that shows up? Or am I pursuing God so passionately because I love him with all of my heart and I want more of him and with him comes the kingdom? Which one is it? It's eye-opening and it's really life-changing because now I analyze my prayers and I say, Lord, forgive me from pursuing you and putting my faith in a version of you that's basically a vending machine. If I pray the right prayer, I put the money in, then it's going to come out. I get the right, <laughs> the right answer. No, we put our faith in God and his character, his goodness, his unfailing love for us. So is my faith focused on the outcome or is my faith focused on my God? It's going to change my life when I think that way, when I pray that way. Second Timothy 2, this is the, the Living Bible again, 
I don't use this very often, but this, this message I did. Uh, it says this, even when we are too weak to have any faith left, he remains faithful. <sighs> to us and he will help us, for he cannot disown us who are part of himself. He will always carry out his promises to us. This is covenant talk is what this is. If you don't understand covenant, the new covenant that you're in, I did a series on covenant a while back. I challenge you to go listen to it because I talked about this verse in particular. He's faithful to us because we're in covenant with him. <laughs> and he's not going to deny himself. Hmm. He will always carry out his promises to us. Our faith is not in the outcome we want. Our faith is in the character and the faithfulness of God. Psalm 18 verses 2 through 3 says this, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I called to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I have been saved from my enemies. Here's what this verse does not say. This is so encouraging, but here's what it does not say. My answered prayer is my rock. My answered prayer is my fortress. My answered prayer is my deliverer. No. That job is my rock. That career, that pay raise, my spouse, my future spouse, my kids. The Lord is my rock. He's my fortress. He's my deliverer. And when we shift our focus to get our faith back into the one who's called us to to walk by faith, we can successfully walk by faith. But too many times we put the burden on ourselves. I'm going to walk this life of faith by myself and in my own strength and in the name of faith and in walking by faith, I'm going to take these steps that turn out to be foolish destruction, chaos, messes. Where if we just slow down for a second, take a lesson from Peter who was not perfect, <laughs> but he shows us how do we walk by faith. He did it in the natural. We can do it in the, in the supernatural and the spiritual. God's brought you to this place can I tell you to hear this message or to listen to it for a reason? You're listening to it for a reason. I want to remind you that a static life is a faithless life. You cannot please God and stay in the boat. A static life is a faithless life. It takes no faith to sit and sit on the sideline and do nothing. It doesn't mean you won't get to heaven. I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying, don't get to heaven someday and have Jesus look at you and say, I had so much more for you if you just had the faith to believe me. Don't get to heaven someday and hear that. Go all in. Walk in wisdom and in faith. And this is why 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says this, for we walk by faith, not by sight, living our lives in a manner consistent with our confident belief in God's promises. Isn't that good? That's the Amplify. It says living our lives in a manner consistent with our confident belief in God's promises. Where's our faith? It's in God. It's in his faithfulness and it's in his character and it's in his goodness no matter how messy and messed up the situation may seem right now. My faith is there and I will keep walking forward. What did Peter do? He got out of the boat. Don't let comfort steal your your calling. Eliminate distractions. Set your eyes and keep your focus on Jesus. Put your faith in God's faithfulness. God may not always answer your prayer the way that you want it to be answered. Hear me in that. His ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. But remember, your faith is not in the outcome of your prayer. Your faith is in the faithfulness of God and in a faithful, good, heavenly Father. Amen?
this week, I have some action steps, or at least one action step, some reflection questions on there for you. This week, I would encourage you, if you're married, talk to your spouse about those things on the way home today or just later, or later today or later this week. If, if you're not married or you, don't, you know you don't have uh, somebody close by, call a friend. Uh, share this message with somebody and talk about those reflection questions. And the most important thing is this. The action step is to take one step this week that requires faith. What's your one step? What's one thing this week that you can do? Might be praying for somebody, might be taking a step towards something, might be having a conversation, but what is it? Maybe big, it may feel small. Take the step. Watch God move in your life. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word and thank you for your goodness. Thank you for being a perfect Heavenly Father who loves us and who has good things for us. And Lord, I just pray that today that your word would truly go to work in us in a way that we would walk by faith with confidence, that we would walk by faith and not by sight. And I just pray over the situations represented in this room for people that are struggling, people that are going through a tough time, a confusing time, a hard time. Lord, I just pray that you would help them have the faith to walk, to keep our eyes fixed on you, to do what you've called us to do, God. And I thank you that as we look to you, put our faith in you and nowhere else, that you help us walk one step at a time. You're faithful. You're good. You're worthy of all praise. And Lord, we're gonna put our faith in you and not in some answered prayer somewhere or in something else. Our faith is in you. We expect great things from it. Thank you for moving in our lives. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to the Abide Church podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out AbideChurch.com.